Hey everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Get Real with Casey Kasem. It's the podcast that takes a look behind the scenes of the fantasy football industry through interviews with content creators, analysts, writers, and more. If you're listening for the first time because you heard about this podcast at the Fantasy Football Expo, I appreciate you coming to check it out. I love putting this podcast out, so it means a lot that you're here listening right now. If you've been a listener, know that it is also hella appreciated. I had a blast at the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio. The Women in Fantasy panel was amazing and the whole event was awesome from start to finish. While at the Expo, I met this guest I'm about to interview in person. Yes, actually got to talk to him multiple times in person. This episode features Jody Smith of Full-Time Fantasy. Our conversation was golden and included chats about finding out that he could write a little bit, his words, not mine, his tribute to Mike Tagliere, becoming more comfortable on the radio and podcast, getting attacked by an owl, the Fantasy Football Expo, and also realized this was recorded before the Expo actually happened, and a ton more. Also, Jody, congrats to you on your engagement. I'm so happy. You can find Jody on Twitter at JodySmithNFL. You can follow me on Twitter at DKCKSum and the podcast at GetReal underscore pod. This podcast is a proud member of the DAP Network. I wanted to give a shout out to Fantasy Go at Fantasy Go NFL on Twitter as I won their contest at the expo. Yes, I'm using the rad microphone that I won right now. Thanks again. Okay, and now here's my conversation with Jody Smith. what keep on looking forward and that i'm so happy to hear that things are going well things are going well hopefully it can just stay that way for a while um man i'm i'm okay so we're gonna i guess jump into questions or whatever but i mean we've been talking i, I just kind of want to know more about like before you found fantasy football how was like growing up where'd you grow up and how was how was all of that well i'm a, um I'm from a pretty big family. We grew up in, in a real uh, traditional upbringing in the sense that mom stayed home and took care of all of us and dad worked. And uh, I'm one of five uh, kids. So we grew up on in an industrial area of Houston called Pasadena. And true to form, what my father did um, when he got home from the Navy was he worked at Goodyear Tire and Rubber for like 40 years. So um my parents remained in that area and uh, mom is still there. My, uh, my dad passed away uh, last June and they had only lived in two different houses and and they only moved (laughs) out of their first house because they were paying something like $285 in rent for like 30 something years until the landlord passed away. And the landlord's children saw that were like, Oh, wait a minute, what is going on here? So, you know, by that time, my dad had uh, saved up enough cash where he just uh, he just bought a house cash. And uh, yeah, so, you know, we grew up, like I said, a, a very traditional uh, upbringing. It's something that you know, my parents stayed married and, uh, you know, mom was always home. So we were never left to, to raise hell or to uh, get into a lot <laughs> of trouble and all that. And yeah. I always found it, um, at, you know, as I got up through high school and whatnot, it, I started realizing how many of my friends' parents had split up and all that. So it was a little uh, unusual for me. But, you know, I guess you could say in a certain way that my siblings and myself grew up a little sheltered. But at the same time, you know, we we experienced, uh, you know, a lot of things that that maybe people from 
single parent relationships or that didn't have as many siblings didn't experience. Right. Yeah. I mean, like my wife's an only child and I have a sibling. Like it is different having that as well. So when you guys were growing up, were you into sports? Yeah. Uh, my older brother was a, you know, a pretty good athlete too. He played uh, pretty much everything. Cause back then it was just basically uh, football, basketball and uh, baseball. And he stuck with uh, all three up until about high school. And uh, I wasn't as committed uh, to it as he was. Uh, I played baseball. I made, you know, the all-star team throughout, uh, you know, playing t-ball and then up into little league and whatnot. But um, I had, I, I was a little more passive, uh, you know, than he was. And uh, so I, w I never really wanted to play football, but uh, up until I got to high school and I realized um, I didn't want to be a nobody. And um, so I just decided, despite the fact that I hadn't played it all that much growing up, I mean, not at an organized level, but we played plenty of street ball and whatnot. But uh, I just decided, you know, what the hell? Let's uh, let's try to play uh, football. And uh, you know, it was, there was a learning curve there, but uh, I, I really took to it, and that's what began kind of my uh, football obsession. Which you know, here it is, what thirty years later, almost, and uh, you know, it just remains. To, that was just the, uh, the 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 beginning of it, but it's just done nothing but grow and expand since then and that's that's so awesome to hear about football and everything did you have a team or teams uh when you were growing up oh yeah like anyone here in the houston area i grew up a uh a, a paranoid Oilers fan and i say that because the Oilers were so uh amazing at being able to break your heart and uh growing up as a as a fan of all Houston teams up until the Rockets won, uh, you know, a couple titles there in the nineties, that's what you got. Nothing but misery and heartache and, and <laughs> the orders always found, um, creative ways to do that. But, but I loved them. Uh, you know, I grew up, I kind of remember, it feels like, you know, my dad, you know, when he was in shape, he ran, uh, and he was known throughout Pasadena for, uh, his, his fitness. He ran a lot and, uh, he ran in marathons and all kinds of fun runs and whatnot. And, I vividly remember um, him being in one with Earl Campbell and my twin sister and I uh, were trying to get on TV as a KTRK channel 13 here in uh, Houston was interviewing him after, after the run. Uh, so, you know, you could say I was an Earl Campbell fan, but really, uh, you know, getting up a little older when I actually understood the game and whatnot, I was a huge Warren Moon fan. So um, yeah, you know, being an older fan, in, in addition to commensurating with losing all the time and just having your heart broken, um, I kind of lost that after they left there in the mid-90s. I tried to follow the uh, the Titans for a while. Uh, you know, when they were the older season, what it was. It just didn't work. In particular, by that time, my fantasy career had – I mean, not career, but my fantasy interest had really taken off. And I just happened to have uh, – built my main team around Steve McNair and Eddie George. So I continued to root for them. But after a while, you know, the luster kind of fell off and I went without a team. And by the time the Texans got formed in, in 2002, it just didn't work for me. And um, you know what? And nowadays I find, um, I find it advantageous to not necessarily be um, intertwined to a team. Um, I, my brother, 
was an obsessive Dallas Cowboy fan, and he had all the uh, Dallas Cowboy championship posters up on the wall with Tony Dorsett and Danny White and Randy White. He had all them posters, and you know, we shared a room uh, <laughs> growing up. So, you know, I never hated the Cowboys, but um, I, I saw what that kind of um, fandom that he had could do, like in a negative way. I, you know, I tell this story a lot, but. I, it was, I don't know when it was, 91 or 92, but the uh, the Dolphins were playing in Dallas for Thanksgiving, and uh, they blocked a field goal, and Leon Lett tried to recover it stupidly, and he ended up fumbling it, and Miami recovered it, kicked the, kicked the game-winning field goal, so the Dolphins lost. Well, my older brother, who at that time had moved out of the house, and we didn't see him all that much, he got so upset at my grandmother's house, he had to go home to hit his punching bag. So <laughs> <laughs> that kind of... Crazy, crazy fan. I mean, in some ways, it, it's really awesome to see someone be that interested in the game. If you want to hear stories of mine, we can talk about the Astros. But uh, <laughs> I'm, in, in this career field, like, like I said, I find it to be, to my advantage, not to uh, to be unbiased. <laughs> well, bring up the Astros. So you're a fan of, of the Astros, I'm assuming, since you brought them up. A little, um, a little bit. Um, do you play fantasy baseball? Uh, not anymore. I had before. I was in a league for a few years with these people, but we were kind of all, all over the place. I I enjoyed it. Uh, if if for nothing else, and and this is one of the good things um, about what we have now with um, technology is we we can play daily DFS. So. In, in some regard, if you can kind of stay interested in baseball or basketball a little bit, really you can have something to do almost every day of the year. You can throw out $5 or whatever. And unfortunately, uh, Casey, you know, we're we're stuck here in Texas, so we can't make any legal sports bet, which is, which is frustrating. <laughs> it's something I've always actually kind of had a knack for. But, yeah, I, I wish I could uh, find, a, you know, a more fun fantasy baseball league and kind of get back into that i did do uh fantasy bank baseball rankings this year just on a, a way to keep myself sharp and maybe the first steps of me kind of re-embracing that and and getting back into it so I, I did them like for a draft so we'll see you know if i'm last place. i suppose if i didn't finish last place then i guess that would be a you know show some improvement but um what i can tell you about you know, when I was talking about my, my brother being crazy with his love for the Cowboys is, um, yeah, the same thing is definitely true for me when it comes to baseball. And uh, so the last Astros playoff game that, that I attended live uh, at Minute Maid Park, I actually walked out of because I was so angry at the uh, relief pitcher for loading the bases. And it was a playoff game against Tampa that they ended up winning. However, I didn't know because I got so upset that I walked out without telling my friends and I, I got so angry. I Ubered to the wrong house. Oh. I forgot we had met at somebody else's house to Uber to Minute Maid Park. So my friends at that time were texting me like, where the hell, where the hell are you? Did you see that, the, you know, the final, and it, you know, just like, so I know my, my, my level, you know, of my, my tolerance of what I can and can't put up with, but my arch nemesis in sports is always, and this is critical, even going back to Billy Wagner, who's in the Hall of Fame, um, is my, my arch nemesis has always been Astros closing pitchers because I guess I expect perfection. And they'll blow an occasional save, and I, I go ballistic. 
<laughs> so do you watch uh football the same way that you would watch baseball or are you not a, definitely not that type of person when it comes to football definitely not with football but, uh with the exception of ut the, the longhorns can uh can get me on almost at, let's say 75 percent level of when it comes to anger in particular against against ou which hasn't gone well in the last i think four years but no uh when it comes to nfl no my um I'm able to sit back and and, and take a, a neutral stance, which, would, like I said, I find it to be advantageous to where um, I'm not biased towards any particular team or I don't want any particular team or players to do well. I mean, sure, there's players, but, I mean, Casey, you've been doing this as long as we have and, and, and are in as much leagues and all that. I mean, it gets like, you know, one player you're rooting for is going to hurt you in another league anyway. So it's kind of like, you know, it's hard to really – dive all into any one team or one person i'm much calmer watching the nfl watching football um and generally you know it's it's red zone channel anyway so we're watching every game which um to a normal sports fan or to a casual nfl fan i can't stand it because you're jumping back and forth and, and they can't tell the rhythm of the game or the momentum or what's going on whereas uh, obsessive people like ourselves, uh, we want that action. We want to jump back and forth. Like, you know, I don't want to see, I don't want to see this boring drive on the, the opponent's 25. I want to see, the, you know, I want to see the good stuff. So when it comes to football being on TV, uh, do you, are you one of the people that has to watch it for your content or is it okay if you miss, miss out on watching some of the games? No, it's not okay uh, to uh, miss out on it. Yes, I have to watch <laughs> it. It's a great excuse that um, I'm able to say it's my job because yeah. I tell people, oh, no, I can't come help you move next Sunday or any Sunday from August through February because I've got to work Sundays. And, yeah. you know, like I said, it's a great excuse. You know, I, I, you know, if you're justifying how hard you work versus somebody else that's not in this field who says something about how many hours they put in. You can say, Hey, it's like a, you know, if I get up at 6 AM and I start doing my fantasy pros and rankings and projections and whatnot, and you know, the uh, Sunday night games typically for us isn't over till about 10 30 or 11. So yeah, that's a good solid, uh, you know, 14, 15 hour work day. So yeah, I grind in pretty hard Sunday, even though, you know, the only real work you're doing it, without watching it is, you know, I, I typically like to start writing on Sundays and start working yeah. on stuff. But like I said, I, I find it to be, you know, a great excuse to make it sound like, you know, we're really working hard, but, but to me, it's, it's tremendous to, um, to be able to do that, to, to be able to consider it work when it, it's actually something we just really, really love to do. And so when you found out about fantasy football and what that was all about, how did you stumble across that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll go back to uh, an, uh, a long time ago when uh, you know many many people listening probably weren't even born in the uh, in the early '90s. So um, there's this game called Techno Super Bowl that came out, and it was groundbreaking because it was the first Nintendo game that had real NFL players, real teams, all of them, and it actually kept tracks. I mean, it was groundbreaking to have a, a game back then that did that, and. So my whole life, and at that time was around the same time I had just, you know, started playing football. So this was like me just getting all the football I could get. And well, it turns out that I was renting it from this local video game store. And it turns out that 
the a-hole that was always renting it when I didn't have it, because sometimes I'd miss out on it, turned out to be my best buddy from school. And we set, you know, his last name's Van Clee, where mine is Smith, so sometimes we sit by each other in, in school. Well, we thought, well, let's team up. So we started playing these all-weekend Tecmo tournaments, and I would write down every stat. I'm talking top 30 punt return leaders, kick return leaders, quarterback, everything. We would manually write these in notebooks, and I would um, I would actually cut up football cards and create symbols for our Super Bowl, and it, it was really fun. And we just, you know, we would stay up for just every weekend, uh, you know, doing this kind of stuff. And around that same time, I don't know what it was, but my older brother, I came across a notebook that him and his friend did, where it was basically a rudimentary football league. They were drafting players, and if they got a touchdown, it was worth six points. So I thought, hey, this is interesting. So we, uh, you know, with that, you know, six points for touchdowns, we had a rudimentary idea of starting a quarterback and a kicker and then five position players. And so we had a, a template to start with. And then we, you know, based on that with kind of our knowledge of Tecmo and, you know, back then you only got to watch, you know, one game at a time, the oldest game, or if it wasn't the oldest at three o'clock, you'd watch two games. But uh, so, you know, we kind of put together rules from the real NFL at the time versus Tecmo. And we did our best to, you know, field teams. And you know what? Honestly, we did not know the term fantasy football back then. We just called it, I don't know, like the football game or whatnot. But so we started that league in 1991. And I'm happy to say it's still going. It's still touchdown only, and three of us have been in it the entire time, and another couple of my um, buddies, it's a 12-man league now, um, another couple of my friends have been in it for all but maybe two years. So um, despite the fact that it's really antiquated in the sense of it's touchdown only. So in our league, 40 points is like a really good week, and <laughs> it's not really unusual at all to see single-digit scores like only your kicker scored because – you know, as a sidestep, Julio Jones, back when he was catching 13 balls for 205 yards with no touchdown. Well, you know what? In our league, that was worth none. You got a zero for it. So versus my boy from the 92 Jets, Brad Baxter, who would uh, punch in a bunch of one yard touchdowns. I used to love that guy. But uh, so, you know, that that's kind of what what got us started in uh, football. Um, we, we made up the rules on the fly. Um, we got more people in, and if you want to talk about the draft experience, we can do that. Yeah. yeah, I do actually. It's like one of my favorite things to talk about is the draft experience. So if you want to go ahead and, and kind of paint a picture for everyone. What it was like to draft back then. Okay. So, you know, you make up these rules. There was probably two or three of us, the, the old dogs that are still in the league that were there that night or whatever it was when we kind of, um, made up the rules, um, so they kind of had an idea of what we were looking for. Well, we needed an even number. So we ended up, you know, fielding some phone calls. We got six the first year. So, you know, as the commissioner, I had to like write balance schedules and do all this crazy stuff. I had to put in a lot of legwork. But what would happen, and, you know, this is still, we still kind of laugh about this today. We would call up on the telephone. So there was no beepers back then. There was no uh, cell phones, no nothing. You just had to call somebody's home number and hope they were there at least their mom would pass on the message for them but 
we would get somebody on the phone, explain to them what we were doing. And they would say, oh, okay, that, that sounds cool. I guess I'll do it. And we'd say, okay, great. It's your pick. And they're like, uh, Lord Moon. Okay, great. We'll call you back. <laughs> um, so that's what we did. We just, I think we just pulled out a random draft order in the first year. And, and, and then the draft took probably weeks to accomplish because of that. You never knew where anyone was going to be and you're playing, you're dodging phone calls and whatnot. But eventually um, we were all able to assemble, I don't know, 16, 18, 20 person rosters. And, uh, you know, like I, I took on the, the commissioner role of it. Like I said, I had to write a schedule and that presented its own challenges. But, you know, we made it work. And, you know, when we couldn't get a guy that, that you know, your opponent wouldn't call in or you couldn't get his lineup in time. Oh, I guess he got to start the same guys. Oh, and they're on by this week. Oh, darn. But, <laughs> you know, we were just kids, you know, literally yeah. back then. So we just had to make up these things on, on the fly and all that. But you know what? It For us that, that founded the league, it really like lit a fire. We really were like, this is really fun. This is really, really interesting. And in my opinion, it, it, it's been the catalyst that's kept my friends and I in contact uh, all these years that we've remained close and all that. And we have a live draft every year. And not everyone makes it. And with technology, um, now it's much easier for someone to do, you know, to just jump online or to draft in that regard. And, you know, some people are out of state now and, and that happens, but it's still a highlight of, um, you know, what we do. There's, you know, with that many seasons in the bank, you know, there's all kinds of stories and trolling with each other and aggravating and, and all that. But it's been, like I said, um, it's been the main thing that has kept us men now, middle-aged men, uh, such a close-knit group that we've remained close and, and we go out after the draft sometimes and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's just been terrific. And, you know, I've talked about the, the whole the Tecmo notebook as it's called. And, and I used to actually up until the 2010s, I still manually kept my own fantasy notebook for, for this league, which is now called the, uh, the Elvis football league. That's what we started uh, back in the nineties. It's still going. Um, I used to manually keep a notebook for it. And just at, if no other reason out of habit, even though we've been on my fantasy league for over 20 years, now I still would keep that manual notebook until finally I just said when my writing career, um, you know, kind of started taking off and, and taking up time, I kind of said, you know what, I, I don't know why I'm doing this, but you know, I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> well, so the transition to like including technology, having that as a part of fantasy football, being able to have people video chat or whatever, if they need to for live drafts and all that, what, were there any kind of hiccups that you encountered when you first went from everything in person to like maybe having to do something where somebody's not going to be there? Oh, sure. I got some idiots in my league. Let me tell you that right now. Um, I got some guys, uh, how, <laughs> they, how they exist in today's society. I have no idea, but these are men who flat out refuse to put their own credit card online to, uh, put any apps on their phone because you know they're watching me and all this kind of crazy stuff <laughs> that people that i deal with like that so rewind to 20 years ago when i started telling them hey we can do everything online and of course not only do they not have computers 
But they were like, oh, you know, I don't need this. This is too complex. I've got one guy to this day. He he tries to get us to go uh, use a different format than my fantasy league, which is ridiculous because my fantasy league to me has always been the best. And we have 20 plus years in, of history right there on the website. He wants to switch something else. And, and the thing is, he's not even arguing. He just wants to, to, to win anything. Anyway, yes, there was some hiccups with all that. But the thing is, because those people who were resistant to change were never the commissioner. They never had to put in all that legwork of manually writing a schedule for six or eight teams. And it gets exponentially harder to write at, I mean, on paper notebooks, you're talking, writing a manual schedule. I used to put hours and hours into that. I used to, um, I used to actually write like a little preview magazine, go to the photocopy machine and, and print it out for, for the guys. Cause I really loved it. I really embraced it. And, you know, this is probably getting ahead of ourselves, but one of the, one of the first years that we were um, online, I actually typed up a really long preview and I still vividly remember one of my friends saying, who wrote that? And I said, well, I did. He goes, well, where'd you copy it from? So what do you mean? Well, it's just, where'd you, I'm just, where did you see this article? I'm like, it's not an article. I just wrote on the league web website. And they were like, damn, man, I thought that was something you ripped off from, you know, Athlon magazine or something like that. I said, no, I wrote it. And that kind of like, you know, kind of reaffirmed to be like, hey, you know, maybe I can write a little bit. Well, we're not getting too ahead of ourselves. I really want to know that story. How did you determine, like, this is something I want to actually write about? And how'd you go about getting involved in that? Well, um, you know, rewinding back a little further uh, till about, oh, I don't know, maybe around 2000 or 2001, um, one of those friends back then, um, you know, I didn't have a smartphone. I think I had a cell phone, but there were no smartphones and all that. And I, I was working a, um, a management a retail job that I pretty much hated, which involved me being there every holiday, every weekend, whatnot. Uh, you know, I was not happy with you know, where my life was at that time, I was pretty um, discontent in general. And I called him one Sunday when I was at work to ask, hey, man, how's our game going? Did, did Edron James score? Did, uh, did Eddie George punch one in for me? And I just remember telling him, he's still one of my best friends to this day. I still I remember saying, you know, can you believe that people are uh, are able to write in a fantasy football index for a living? This is their job, man. I, we as humans, you know, taking a line from, from office space, we were not meant to sit in a cubicle and do this for a living. Well, we were not meant to do that job either. And, um, you know, I just remember lamenting to him that, you know, that small percentage of people who get to do something that they're passionate about and um, that, you know, it kind of was a pipe dream back then. But you know, he, he listened intently and he was like, well, man, you know, I, yeah, I hear you. I hear you, man. It took a little while um, for me to get going. But, you know, fast forward to, um, you know, 2008, I'm married. You know, my son is born. We moved into this house. So, um, you know, things in my life had stabilized. I didn't have that job anymore. I went back to school. Um, you know, I was in a much better place. I was much happier. And uh, you know, on a whim once, one summer, and I think it was, uh, 2010, I just Googled fantasy football writing jobs. And, um, 
you know, I got a few hits, sent out some precursor emails to a few people. And one of the first ones that wrote back was uh, my patch with the uh, gridiron expert. And he said, you know, uh, well, to be honest, you know, my team is kind of full, but I do see that you're in Houston there. So um, I'll give you a trial article. Can you just show me what you got? You know, write up something about the uh, the Texans backfield. So I was extremely nervous. You know, I was very gracious for this opportunity and I took it very seriously. And then I typed out probably a 1500 word article telling people that they should draft Ben, ben Tate ahead of Arian Foster. And of course that didn't necessarily work out. However, Mike was very gracious and he said, you know what? Um, I wasn't going to take on any more writers, but I'm very impressed. That was a great article. I'd like to bring you on board. And I, you know, I was ecstatic because it felt like, you know, life goal accomplishment. You know, I felt like I had, even though at that point, you know, I'm a, I'm a married dad and it clearly was something that was just going to be part-time, but I was, uh, I was very proud of myself and, um, you know, I remember telling all my friends and they were, you know, I guess some of them were excited for me. Others probably rolled their eyes like, huh, whatever. And it had nothing to do with, uh, you know, money. It was just to me, it was the fact that I could do something like that, put myself out there and that, that people cared. And um, I really, really, really took to it right away. It just fulfilled something in me. Uh, I remember asking Mike all the time, is there more things I can do? And within, you know, a few months I want, you know, I had got, I had earned a, you know, a, a larger role because of my, my attitude. I was willing to, to do anything, to write anything and, and, you know, helped him edit. And, you know, it just really, really, it, it really grew. And I just started saying, you know, like I said, yes to, to everything. And, you know, once, once the season was over and, you know, I had earned a, a you know, a decent following, I think from people, and, uh, you know, it's just something that um, it lit a fire under me. You know, it, 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 it made me remember how a decade or, you know, in this case, seven or eight years can be so pivotal, can change so much from a, from a, uh, a retail store manager that hated his job, that was, that was talking to a buddy daydreaming about football to, in a small way, and making that happen, you know, like I said, that, that lit a fire, you know, and it just kind of took off from there. And that wasn't really a thing that was as big as it is now with so many people that are dipping their toes in the water just to try it out. Um, had you done any writing prior to the, re the preview that you were writing and then this article that you had put out? Was there any writing background? You know, I always did really, really uh, well in in writing, but no, like I said, other than the uh, writing our own fake fantasy football preview, um, you know, magazine on the website that my friends thought that I uh, plagiarized off of uh, Athlon. Um, other than that, no, um, it wasn't it wasn't something that I had uh, embraced a lot of, and, and you know, I think a lot of that was because it was before social media and all these sharing things and that became the norm. So writing was kind of a, a you know, a lost art back then, mm -hmm. but I had always, I'd always um, been really good about conveying my emotions and putting them out there and, and just thinking things through all that. And, and 
you can, Casey, I know you can know this, but you recognize um, good writing when you read it. Um, you may be connected to people on Facebook or Instagram or whatnot, but you'll see a post from someone who's not even a writer, but you can tell this person has that talent. This person could be a writer. And then, you know, that actually works in the opposite. There's people who actually are writers or submit articles. And then you read it and you're kind of like, yeah, this isn't, I hope this isn't their day job because this isn't, it isn't great, but you know, I can look back at, at, um, you know, some of my early articles and some of the things that I did, even though it was considered uh, very, very good back then, um, I would probably cringe now. I'd probably be like, oh, wow, I'm so much, you know, I'm so much more articulate now, or I'm so, I'm just so much better, or I've learned so much about uh, SEO and whatnot, and, and I've learned to, to you know, get better with spreadsheets and whatnot, that, that I'd look back at my, my early stuff and probably be you know, kind of embarrassed. And then there's other times I've actually looked back at some of my early stuff and I read it and been like, that was actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't go, I don't think I've gone back and read anything recently from back in the day, but do you remember something that you were super excited to write about when you first started out? Oh, like I said, the first article I wrote was uh pimping then Tate ahead of Arian Foster, <laughs> bad as that was to get it wrong. Um, um, you know what? Um, one of the, I, I was always, I learned from, from reading uh, the fantasy football index because I never take a tone of, I, like in my writing, unless it's a personal piece, you'll never hear me or, or read me write I or I think or me or like that. I don't take that tone. I take a tone of, what side I'm representing, what not. I take a more neutral tone and all that. It's just how I've learned to write. It also really helped me um, in my days of writing for multiple employers, uh, you know, in a season, three or four different sides. It helped me to uh, not necessarily get confused with what I was doing. I didn't have to change my tone or remember uh, a lot of stylistic things. But um, a thing that I wrote that was extremely popular for gridiron experts back in the day was I, I decided to actually, I wanted to write something funny, so I decided to write about the 12 personalities in every fantasy football league. And it was kind of uh, kind of sarcastic, and it was kind of, uh, you know, I, I want to say cringe now because um, this was a really, really old article. So one of the characters or whatnot was uh, probably something that wouldn't be appropriate now, the hot chick. <laughs> And now I kind of like hoped that that actually article was gone. It's just simply based on that. But the rest of them were basically caricatures of people in my draft, like the magazine guy. And, you know, one of the lines I wrote was something along the terms of, you know, this guy's toast when he shows up, when he doesn't know what day the draft is. And he shows up with a big 10 preview magazine that he just picked up at, on his way to the draft. And, and these are kind of things that I actually saw humorously throughout my, uh, you know, 25, 30 something live drafts that we've, you know, done together. Like you would just know whatever knucklehead was going to show up. Like, Oh God, he's like, he don't even know, uh, you know, what day the draft is or whatnot. So I was, I was probably pretty proud of, of that article for a while, but um, you know, up until recently, um, you know, clearly, clearly asked last year, you know, I was a, you know, I made finalists for uh, football article of the year simply because of 
that tribute I wrote to Tags, and that was definitely um, the most personal piece I've ever written. Um, and it was something I never actually had ever intended to write and never thought about. That was, uh, I still vividly remember coming home from golf lessons with my son that day and I was eating a sandwich and I saw Tabby's um, tweet and I stopped mid chew. Couldn't believe it. And I got very emotional and very upset for about 30 minutes or so. I, I just couldn't believe it. And then I cracked open my laptop and I just started writing and that's what came out. So if you're asking me thousands of articles that I've ever done. Yeah. Let's rewind that. That piece was funny. And yeah, I guess maybe I, for a while I was proud of it. And there's been lots of things that I thought were really, really, really good over the years. And I've been extremely proud of, but definitely uh, last year's finalist article for football article year um, as emotional as it was and as hard as it was to read. And it's something I'm still um, have a hard time reading now to this day, but I'm immensely proud of how it came out. And it, I don't want to say it was the easiest thing I've ever written because I, you know, case, I don't even remember writing it. I just started typing and it came out and, um, like, you know, I'm proud of it in the sense of, you know, it was just such a good, uh, you know, I think tribute, but, um, it's something I hope I never have to write again. Yeah. And I mean, tags such a loved person by everybody in the community, obviously. I mean, just a great human being. And, I, you know, um, being able to share uh, your thoughts and your feelings with us and, and, and to get nominated, that's just so awesome for you to have that outlet and for us to be able to take part of, you know, the your personal stuff. So um, thank you so much for putting that article out, like, for real, because, you know, you deserve <laughs> Yeah. And I couldn't imagine writing something like that. Like, I, you know, so I more power to you because like, but isn't it crazy how fantasy football is like this, this quote unquote hobby or whatever that that brings us all together and, and you make friendships from something like that. Like how mind blowing is it? No, oh, it's absolutely it's, it's something it's really hard, I think, to explain to people who aren't in the in really in this community, but we forge these relationships with strangers that often are different states, uh, different countries, even different continents. But yet we, and, and we're all, it's so funny. There's so few real jobs out there. In a lot of ways, we're all competing for, you know, a handful of opportunities and a handful of jobs. Yet this community, we come together, we support each other. Uh, we build these relationships. We start to care about, each other. We start to learn about each other's um, lives away from the field. We start to learn about people's um, family and we start to matter. You know, we send um, private direct messages to support one another in times of need. We, we exchange our phone numbers and really we start to become family and it, it's amazing. I, you know, I'm, I couldn't be any, any happier to, um, to be a part of it. And it's so unique because if it wasn't for, you know, a goofy thing like fancy football, well, Casey, first off, you and I wouldn't have the opportunity to be here and well. you're 
you're an awesome person. And I, you know, I've seen your career, uh, you know, grow up and expand for years. I've, I've loved everything you've done. I, I've always thought that that, that person, if her and I met, we would get along great. Like if we were having, if there wasn't such thing as football, but if she was sitting down having a, a beer at St. Arnold and I, I started chatting with her, we would get along tremendously. So, and that can be said for uh, one of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that, that are involved in, in our football community that we get the chance to, um, to get to know each other, get to know each other's families. And like I said, I had that opportunity to actually get to know Tags and, and Tabby. We met and, you know, I wrote about it in that article. I won't keep expanding on it, but I, I can say that in the opportunities that I've actually had to meet people in real life that I'd only previously known on Twitter, not one has disappointed me yet. Everyone has been as good and better uh, in, 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 in person, you know, as, as a real human. And, and it's just been tremendous. And I, I think, like I said, you, you went to the expo last year. So you, mm-hmm. you probably walked away feeling the same thing. Like, wow, they, they are as much fun or just as great in person as they were in line or more likely than not, they probably exceeded, uh, you know, your expectations. And like I said, it's so weird. Cause you know, we're for the most part, uh, you know, it's such competitive, industry like uh, mm-hmm. if a job got posted in particular full-time job you probably would have <laughs> you know it's kind of weird because you know it's kind of like there's an element of you want all your friends in this space to do well but not too well I, mean, <laughs> I hate to say that, that there's a bit of selfishness in it but there certainly is and I guess there in some ways needs to be but for the most part, I think we're all like really, really happy when you see uh, someone's take the next step up to for someone to get a, you know, a, a, you know, a bigger website or a bigger following or to you know get a full time job and can't help but be happy. But, um, but like I said, um, despite the fact that there's so few jobs and so many people uh, getting out there, uh, you know, you you care, you know, you start to become friends and family. And, you know, in a lot of ways that that's what it feels like. It feels like um, at least the people you become close with, the people you're willing to share your phone with or your phone number with your um, that you have maybe a, a private direct message thread going with it, you know, they really become like extended family. And being someone who's written for multiple sites has being able to write for different sites been helpful in establishing establishing relationships with people and, and getting to know more people in the community? Well, of course, yeah. Um, it certainly has for me, but um, that probably has to do with, um, you know, my background that I've been doing this for, I guess this is my 13th season now. So when it comes to, if, if I were still writing for multiple sites, um, you know, I, I, I'm on board generally with styling. Like I, I, you're not, you're going to get something that's pretty much clean that doesn't need to be edited. So it's a great relief for people that are, you know, maybe higher editors or people that are content, content managers and whatnot. Um, they're going to understand, Hey, man, this guy's on the ball because, you know, we have six people on staff every time this guy's work is, is perfect and whatnot. So yeah. Um, 
despite the fact that that you know like in the past I, I you know I won't say that I wasn't necessarily ready for you know a full-time job before more recently it's just that I was happy with where I was it was like you know what I don't necessarily need uh you know that grind and commitment and, and you know we we can go off on on a, on a on a tangent about that maybe differently I don't know um but um it wasn't anything that was that um that important to me i needed a few things you know in my in my home life to fall into place first before that really became uh good timing but yes i think it's important to contribute to different places and all that because um some places and you know i can i can tell you um the better the more organized more successful websites are going to um, be more involved. They're going to um, be, uh, they're going to give you more feedback. They're going to have more expectations and rules and whatnot. And that may seem rigid to more people, but as you become more successful and all that, you have to you get to understand, you know, you're part of a bigger team and a bigger corporation. So you kind of have to learn to play the rules and, and, and to be versatile and, and you know, be, be willing and able to change your styles to, to fit different people, like I said, different sites. Uh, to me, like I said, it made me um, more versatile, I, I think, as a writer. And to, to build those relationships, you know, it's, it's, it's integral because if you're not burning bridges, if you're doing the job you're supposed to do and, um, meeting expectations or going out of your way to exceed those expectations all that's going to do is you're going to stay good in people's eyes but also this person may themselves get promoted or, or uh, move on to another site and you're going to remember that when they have another opportunity so you know never burn bridges and and keep healthy relationships and and just you know follow instructions and it, you know just try to be actually it's, it's so hard for people uh, sometimes not to take their, their their personal things, but just try to be a good person. It's not really that hard. It's not something I've ever, you know, really struggled with. It, it, it doesn't seem that hard, but, but uh, you know, take a, you know, take something, like I said, I keep keep telling people, if you want to make it in this business, I'm going to give you the, the hardest advice I can give you, and that is use Mike Taglier as your template. Go mm -hmm. against the crowd. Um, Mike Taglier took a non-traditional route because Tags was not his own biggest fan. Tags didn't, uh, you know, suck up to other people and butt into conversations or uh, just put out a bunch of goofy gifts and memes all the time and uh, just ham it up and, and put out cheesy content and just passive aggressive quote tweets, all that kind of garbage that you see that's so predominant. He never took he tags always took the high road he just outworked everyone he just was a genuinely gifted um communicator and, and terrific person there was no gimmicks he never had to resort to those he just turned on the mic and it was mike taglier and he turned the volume up to eight or nine he was just himself and he just was tremendous in every facet and he was uh, just an amazing person, like I said, and he never 
you know, took shortcuts or, uh, you know, disparaged other people to get ahead that he was just himself. He just outworked everyone else and was just quite frankly, he was just better than than everyone else. And what I tell people is it's a lot easier to take what, you know, the, the negatives that I just said. It's a lot easier to um, to take gimmicks or, you know, uh, put up like the trendy thing now is all these threads or um content farming, all this stuff is, it's a lot easier to do that. And sure, you can get ahead with your, your tactics and TikToks or whatever, all that. <laughs> that's great. You want to do all that? That's cool. But, you know, I mean, well, my personal advice, and maybe I'm just older and, uh, <laughs> you know, stubborn and, and set in my ways. But like I said, um, you use, use tags uh, yeah. as your template. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you brought him up and like, I going around this same idea here, he, one of the last things, cause I, he, he, I reached out to him. He followed me on Twitter and I was like, Holy crap. So then I reached out to him to thank him. I, I don't usually do that. Cause I like, I don't want to come off as a fangirl, but, and so we got to talking and everything. And he, it's, he said um, that it's free to be a good person, but sadly some don't understand that. So, because we were, I was talking about how he's such a good guy and you know, so. <laughs> that sounds exactly like something that that he would say that, that's amazing and you know i'm glad that you were tickled that that, that you know that he followed you back and you know we get that way there, there's, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. Some, there's some check marks out there that they follow me I'm, it might be like oh hey you know that's that's cool but yeah yeah um it's great that you got the opportunity to you know get to know him and and, and all that and like i said You'll never, you'll never meet a better, you know, insert whatever word you want, analyst, person, writer, personality, whatever you want to be, you never meet a better one. 100%. I, I will, I will wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Um, so, but I'm going to jump to being a full-time versus part-time in the industry, I know that like you had brought it up earlier about how if a full-time job gets posted, you know, everybody's going to, you know, no. um, but to be able to do that, to jump from doing it part-time to jump to it full-time, um, like is something that a lot of people just can't even wrap their minds around. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> when you, when you are telling people about what you do and everything, um, how, how do people usually react when you tell them? My circle of, 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 you know, friends and family get it. Like I said, my knucklehead iPhone thread of, of you know, the boys, uh, they're all football fans. They're all in my league together. So, you know, they definitely get it. And, um, you know, sometimes it kind of puts me in an awkward position because when I really want to talk about sleepers and guys I'm higher on, but my uh, Elvis football league draft is actually coming up here August 20th. Sometimes I'm like, man, I gotta, gotta kind of keep it under the vest, but it, it's kind of funny the transition because you had Heath on last week and yeah. uh, you know, him and I were in that same um, area for a while um, applying together for all these same jobs. And it was never a competitive thing. It was just, if I'm not mistaken, him and I both applied for the CBS job that, you know, maybe that he ended up getting and, and I didn't, but you know, it's not like I was bitter or whatever. He's, he's fantastic. And, you know, anytime you see, someone get a full-time job, you know, you're generally happy for them. But I can say that um, when I was trying to, to, you know, get in that space and sometimes, uh, you know, I always felt like I interviewed well, 
but maybe not. I don't know, because sometimes I'd see these jobs go and they, they would go to a person that I had, you know, no, no knowledge of, but you know, I was not bitter about it. I'd be like, okay, I need to back up and, and think, you know, what did I do wrong? Or did I interview Did I think I interviewed well, and maybe I, I didn't and whatnot, but, um, to be honest, um, I think it's probably the dream of the vast majority of people who are listening to, uh, to do this full time. And they think that that would be their, you know, that would be awesome and amazing. And, and it is, I'm not going to tell you it's not, because if you've been listening this whole time and, you know, you can tell how um, truly fortunate and blessed I am to, you know, be able to, to do something that I absolutely love for a living. There's times when, uh, you know, I wake up at three thirty four in the morning and, a stat or an article pops in my head and I'm like, well, I gotta get, I gotta, I gotta at least start putting a precursor idea in now while this is fresh in my head or I won't be able to, you know, go back to sleep and whatnot. But, um, I can say that it's made difficult business to get into because, <laughs> I don't want to talk about the, you know, the, uh, you know, I can't speak for every site, but um, I can say that I know a lot of people aren't, you know, in a position where they can um, walk away from a job that's, that's paying good money if they have children and a spouse to walk away from a decent job to take a a job in this industry, because I'm going to, you know, let's face it, these jobs are, they're a little volatile. Because um, it's not unusual at all to see someone do that, to make sacrifices in their personal life, maybe walk away from a job. It's a big risk because a lot of times we'll see in uh, February the bloodletting, you know, and we see full timers let go every year. And, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of risk on it. So I would tell people that you need to be good and ready and you need to understand the risk reward of it. It is fantastic and amazing to uh you know to be able to do that and uh, to be honest it's it's an honor that that i finally got to a point in my own personal life and it took um it took some (laughs) it took some uh turmoil for me to go through back in uh you know uh 2018 and 19 uh to to finally get to a point where where i am now and uh, you know, the highs, the highs and lows. And, uh, you know, I try to, I'm always happy to try to help people because like I said, um, you can tell um, the, the passion that some people get into and, and the excitement they get that the, in, in their work ethic, it comes out, but you can also see that every year you get sites that hire people part-time and they get so excited to tell all their friends, I'm a fantasy football writer and all that. And they write to three articles, four articles. And then they start realizing this sucks. I only got two retweets, uh, you know, 116 views and I'm making $10 an article. And that's actually for the fortunate people. If you're able to make any money on an article, you know, Hey, you should consider that, uh, uh, an honor. You should consider, you know, take a privilege that you're able to, to get paid anything, but, but you see it every year. People get in, they get excited, and within six weeks to three months, they're gone just because they realize this is – I can't do this. This is too much work. Well, a lot of it is because when you're 
when you're juggling things like another full-time job mm-hmm. and kids and, and karate practice and, and uh, you know, your, your spouse and whatnot. Yeah. It's, you know, something's got to go. And if you, when you, <laughs> you know, when you do the math and realize, man, I'm, it's taking me, you know, three hour, three hours to research this whole article and to create these spreadsheets and whatnot. And, you know, making 10 bucks, I think, you know, it's not a very good thing, but unfortunately that's just, uh, you know, it's part of the grind, but I can say when it comes to, um, people interested in doing this for a living people that, uh, that they're really in that place that they think that this possibly is their future. Um, thanks for looking up uh, every year. It seems like the industry grows and grows. And in my opinion, um, it's going to keep doing that, except maybe for old school guys like me who are more um, actual writers as opposed to personalities. Mm. I, you know, my art form of writing is actually maybe trending downwards. But what I think is going to happen, and this is me previewing it for people, but as you see, uh, if you watch a baseball game, you see um, all these crazy stats. Like as soon as the ball is hit, you know, the miles per hour, that the, the, the ball went off the bat, you know, the uh, how many feet it went, the trajectory, the, the angle, all these crazy stats. Well, it's amazing is it is football so behind baseball and even basketball when it comes to this kind of metrics and this kind of technology. And you would think football has always been so progressive, but it's way behind. Well, I think slowly that's what you're going to start seeing. It's going to be the future. And my advice to anyone that wants to come up in this business is when that stuff becomes available or um if you can get out in front of it, maybe even help create that kind of stuff, that's the future. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to completely, it's going to completely change everything about this whole industry when that, when that starts to happen. And it's going to happen soon. Bringing up, you know, writing, you obviously do other things besides just write. You have to, you know, be in front of a camera or be behind a microphone. Um, had you ever done anything like that prior to getting involved in fantasy football industry? Oh, no. Gosh, I used to be so nervous when I first started getting re- requested to do uh, radio because, uh, you know, I always would, would hear guests, you know, on local sports radio here in Houston. And you could always tell the good ones <laughs> versus the, the more nervous ones. And I never wanted to be a nervous one, but that's exactly what happened because I just envisioned that like 100,000 people were listening, even if it was something on blog, talk, radio. And it had five <laughs> listens. Yeah. Even if, it, even if it was something on blog talk radio that had five listens, like six months later, I still would get so nervous about uh, knowing my, my stuff. And um, that was difficult for me, but I started realizing that I'm actually better, more comfortable either on radio or YouTube or on podcast without the prep work, without all those notes and all that. You want to give me some general Topics or ideas, great. You want to send me a show sheet? That's fantastic. But I started realizing, you know what? I'm better just, uh, you know, winging it. You know, occasionally the risk there is if someone asks you, you know, you know their opinion on a player that you're not necessarily up to date on, or or, or maybe something happened that afternoon that you didn't see because you were busy with the weed or something like that. It, you know, you don't want to come across as ill-informed, but that's part of it. But yeah, I had, like I said, I had a lot of difficulties with that at first. It took more 
more and more practice and all that. And you, you want to uh, talk about getting thrown in the fire. So um, I don't remember what season it was, 2018 draft, maybe whatever. There was a local uh, radio station here in Houston and they uh, hit me up on direct message and asked, Hey, we're doing a, um, a live NFL draft. We saw some of your content. It seems like you're pretty up to speed. Would you like to come in and maybe, uh, you know, be an analyst or talk to us a little bit? We're doing a live show here at, I don't know, some uh, sports bar. I said, well, sure. Okay. Well, when I show up, you know, they're setting up the equipment and all that. And they're like, okay, uh, well, you ready to go on? You're the lead guy. I'm like, uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a person who didn't show up. So you're going to be the, the, you ready to go? I'm, uh, wow. <laughs> well, I got thrown in to a live, you know, internet radio broadcast of the NFL draft. But you know what? As crazy as that was, I was so prepared that I, I knew every player that was drafted in the first round. I, I, I had, I actually had them all, I had all the stats off the top of my head. Wow. Um, Chris Dishman from the 1991 Houston Oilers, or yeah, 91 or 93, whatever it was. But he actually came in and, and <laughs> I interviewed a player live on the radio, like, oh, okay. And But that was just because I did all the prep work. But uh, that was a rare, that was a rare exception because prior to that, like I said, I used to be so really, really uh, nervous uh, in that aspect. But now I see all these. And I call them kids, but you know, for the most part, I'm I'm quite a bit older than, than most people in this space. So, um, some of you guys out there that, that, that do this all the time and have a really fun podcast and two or three people together, and you have such great camaraderie and you just uh, your personalities come out and all that. You know, I, I think that's I'm envious in some ways. I think that's great that that uh, even if you're getting no one necessarily viewing or watching or commenting on it, doesn't mean that it's not fantastic content because almost every time i watch something i'm like man these guys are great together this is this is something that 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 i could you know i could see myself listening to or or watching but not watching in my car as i'm driving but i could definitely, <laughs> definitely see myself like being engaged by this and with those kind of podcasts like being able to see it on youtube have it streamed and everything live Obviously, things have changed since when you first started, and that's kind of the where we are now. How do you do? You think that it's going to completely? I know you've said with the new stats and everything, people get ahead of the curve. But do you think it's going to have a big change, like when social media became so important? Do you think something might happen that'll shake it up a bit? Well, there's always going to be the next TikTok. You know, there's always going to be the the. the whatever the, the the next sensation to come across us and the first person that's able to uh incorporate successfully incorporate fantasy football into that will get a huge uh you know jump start on a competition well sure you know much like well you would like to think we as a society are always progressing that's not necessarily true unfortunately but you would like to think that but certainly uh, you know as a hobby i think we are um there's so many smarter people in this industry in this business than there was when when i first started and all that and and I, I mean that in a completely positive manner i'm not trying to disparage anyone who's been doing this as long as i have i mean like some of these some of these youngsters that come up now are, are, are able to think so so much faster and, and and more intently than than 
intensely. Yeah, let's deal with that. Um, than than I've ever been able to. Um, so, yeah, that's just whether whether my um, whether my idea that 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 when we get these advanced metrics and whatnot that come mm-hmm. to sport come to pass or whatnot, there will be ways that this industry and, and this hobby progresses and all that, and um, it's certainly going to open a lot of opportunities and windows for other people, but. In that regard, it might, at the same time, it might close the door on some some of us old dogs who aren't necessarily, uh, <laughs> you know, ready to, to embrace that. That's why I've always, um, whether it's been my my personal life or, you know, my football, my career or any other job, I've always wanted to be like, I don't want to be the kind of person that um, gets stuck with tunnel vision into one aspect. I want to try everything. So when I finally became you know, a supervisor or or a boss or even an editor or whatnot. I said, I want to learn everything about this website or I want to know everything about this store or whatnot, because I want to at least have a rudimentary understanding of how to do everything. Because if I have someone working for me and I don't really honestly know how to do their basic job, how are they going to respect me? How are they going to um, look up to me or how are they going to rely on me as their leader when I can't even do their, their job? So me personally, uh, I want to keep learning and all that. Um, you know, I made a, a couple of jokes about TikTok and all that, but in reality is <laughs> that's actually something I, I should probably, uh, you know, look into because that's where the business is going. So we see a lot of smart uh, people out there uh, making a lot of headway in, in that regard where where I'm, you know, I'm going to play my old man card and be like, nah, and all that. But like I just said, hey, maybe I should don't make fun of it take a step back and just maybe try it out, maybe download it, maybe play with it and all that, that way, at least, Hey, yes, I understand a little bit about it because it's my responsibility when I have that, uh, that manager hat on or that editor hat on, like I said, I have to, I got to at least understand a little bit about what you're trying to do every day. When you play fantasy football, do you have a specific format, you know, either rule or setting or anything that you are particularly fond of? Yeah, like I said, um, my wheelhouse of uh, touchdown only, I'm really trying to push that for people. But, you know, I'm not really making a lot of headway uh, there. But no, uh, (laughs) no more seriously. um, I'm with uh, Andy Behrens and Jake Seeley on the uh, no PPR club. But clearly, um, we've we've made no headway in that regard. <laughs> so um, I've learned that I, I really like Dynasty. Um, yeah. I've, I've become, um, you know, it's become ingrained. And it, it, if anything, um, once you start embracing Dynasty, it actually can screw up your uh, your redraft life because you start actually focusing on. Uh, things that don't actually matter, uh, you know, in redraft and all that. But um, I've been, I enjoy Superflex. Um, it's not something that I thought I would, but once I started playing with with two quarterbacks, um, I, I feel like the balance is more there because it opens up so many different strategies. Uh, in particular, like a um, a combination of two, a a Superflex Dynasty. To me, those are the the, the most Superflex Dynasty Startup. That's the most fun draft format to me because it just open opens up a world of different strategies. Like, do I want to punt to build uh, you know a team, or, or do I want to hold off on quarterback, or do I want to attack quarterback early and just worry about that later? It just like all 
you have 12 different managers in that format, you might have 12 completely contrasting opinions. And, and uh, um, I, I would like to, I can say that I need to get better at DFS because while I have a rudimentary understanding and, and knowledge of it and all that, uh, you would think that I would be better, more successful at it than I am. But the truth is that my my regular responsibilities at full-time fantasy require so much of my effort and time that that you know what i just decided that if i can't put in the amount of legwork to do it well then i probably shouldn't do it so um i didn't i didn't play very much dfs last year but uh i'd like to like i'd like to this year like i said uh, if anything as a content creator uh, and all that 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 that's probably my, my biggest weakness. And, you know, cause I, I, am openly saying that now. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I'll be able to, um, be a little, uh, better at time management in 2022 to where maybe I can be like, all right, no, let's, let, let's, let's do some DFS content today. Let's go. Are, <laughs> you brought up the expo. Are you going to be in attendance? I am. Um, oh. uh, I'm bringing my girlfriend. It'll be a, uh, don't tell her it'll be a little, uh, little special surprise planned for, for that. Um, uh, yes, um, I'm, we're all booked. I'm getting there actually the day early. We're going to, um, check out the, uh, rock and roll hall of fame. And then maybe if, if time permits, we're going to check out the, uh, Christmas story house. So that was her idea, which I thought was fantastic. And, uh, we're going to be down on fourth street in Cleveland that night before. And I am, um, I feel bad for her because, uh, this is going to be, the first kind of trip like this in her whole life. So I need to make it a little bit more about her. Well, then I started looking at the calendar and I am booked deeply. I've got Parker tournament. I'm in uh, King's classic draft. <laughs> I'm in King's classic auction. I'm in something else. And we got a booth, you know, full-time fantasy has a booth on the Sunday. And I'm like, Oh wow. This is going to be like, she understands yeah. she's on board and all that. But you know, um, I kind of need to maybe, reevaluate something in, along the line there because it feels like okay she's she's an amazing woman and i'm so fortunate that 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 uh that her and i met but uh you know i need to make a list a little bit more effort to make something about her too okay well let's talk about free time and when you have the time to hang out with your girlfriend and when you have the time to be a you know dad and do all of this stuff i mean obviously you have the time but i mean when you have free time, what do you like to do or what kind of things do you guys collectively like to do? Uh, me personally, um, it, Casey, as a fellow Texan, you can understand that this is with an asterisk, but I am actually into, um, uh, I'm with like Chet Gresham there in Austin. We love birds. Uh, him and I have a little private thread going on back and forth where we just talk about birds and all that. Um, I had some owls in, in my owl house this year. I got attacked by the male because I got too close to the eggs. That was fun. Um, it's something that um, interested me as a kid. And it, when I finally got to meet an adult and I had my own house, my own yard, I said, you know what, maybe uh, I'll try this. So I, I love that. And I love gardening. I love uh, growing my own little veggies and, and all that kind of stuff too. But it's difficult this time of year because it's so miserably hot outside. Um, <laughs> and the same thing with, uh, you know, my son is, uh, my son has autism. So, um, he is generally not interested in very much for more than about six weeks to six months at a time. It's a very finite time, generally speaking. Like uh, 
one year he got real big in the Rubik's cubes. And let me tell you what, he taught himself how to solve those things. I was buying him <laughs> 12 sided Rubik's cubes and he figured them all out and he would hand it to you and tell you to screw it up and mess it up. And he'd have it solved in about three minutes. But after about three or four months, he put it down and never picked it up again. The only things for him that have resonated are Minecraft and our other favorite hobby, which is golf. So him and okay. I, we were taking golf lessons for a while, and um, we have yet to actually go out there and, and, and really actually play a real course, but it's something I'm actually in the stages of planning. It's just so miserable outside. Yeah. Right? But, you know, golf, it, golf, golf's a happy, like I said, outdoor. I love outdoor stuff. Um, when I was married and um, she – my ex-wife was not on board with uh, a lot of the little innocuous things that I wanted to do that didn't harm anyone. And I never understood why she was so against them, but things like grilling, barbecuing, and just sitting outside of my patio. These are things that I love. And these are things that I do all the time now, not necessarily out of spite, but when I was going through, you know, the painful process of divorce and, and, and moving on and, and learning how to start over, in a lot of life, I decided to start embracing those things that, that I felt like I had to settle to not have in the past. Well, like now there's nothing holding me back and they just make me happy. And it's just staying around the house and not doing much. And the same thing with, with, you know, the new, the new woman in my life, she's, she's amazing that we're, we are, we're compatible and like, Every regard. It's awesome. She has just the, the most amazing sense of humor. And that is like, let me tell you what, that is probably the most underrated. I don't know. Is it a skill set? Personality? Yeah. Right, yeah. A sense of humor that is, is compatible is the most amazing and most underrated thing that you can have with someone. Because when you, you two are able to, you know, when you're on the same page, you're able to make the same kind of jokes and you're able to finish each other's sentences and, and whatnot you don't have to explain memes and whatnot it's it's so great because i never had that <laughs> and now i have it i'm like this is this is awesome and yeah like I, said, I, I just so you know so fortunate and blessed in particular over the last uh you know two or three years i feel like in my life that everything has uh come together and there's been plenty of uh there's there's been some down times you know in the last year in particular you know, was down, but because I'm in such a good place and I have a wonderful woman in my life and her kids, you know, um, we, and her dog, we've all, you know, we've all become, you know, on, on the same, same team. Like I said, it's so amazing. And, and having that kind of, those kind of relationships and that kind of love in my life is, is what's helped me overcome some of the, some, some of the bad things that have happened, you know, here in the last year, but you know, it's just part of life, unfortunately it is but it's great that you have that and it's it so awesome to hear that you're in a good place um we're gonna go ahead and i i hate to have to wrap it up but i do i know sorry guys um but everybody can find you at the expo for sure uh it sounds like if they're gonna be out there uh, maybe we can get you on tiktok out there or something get one of those kids to teach you how to do it um but would you go ahead and um just let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on Yep, you can. Uh, I'm working on uh, well, the, the predictions, all that kind of stuff. At full time fantasy is pretty much done. We've got the uh, 
the biggest part of the uh, the offseason plan is fixing to happen here, so that'll be dropping in the next week or so with the uh, all the uh, all the profiles and all that. But uh, all my content can be found at Full Time Fantasy, and the uh, that includes our weekly show with Billy Muzio, the uh, Full Time Fantasy podcast, and of course you can find me on Twitter at Jody Smith NFL. Excellent. Everybody go make sure that you are checking out all of Jody's work and also make sure you come back next week for another episode of Get Real with Casey Kasem. Thanks again, Jody. Stay red. <laughs>